Brother Yurton, um, I don't know how you want to start, but whoever you want to start, uh, if you guys would come on up. Um, and guys, give them a round of applause and some honor for being here. Thank you so much, and you just, the house is yours. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor John. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you today and um, have my family with me is a, a double honor. Uh, it's My family has been very gracious to me and allowing me to travel the world. And like one of my friends said, Evelyn and I just celebrated 52 years of marriage last Sunday. Last Sunday. And... Uh, but one of my friends said, nah, you, you've only been married 15 years. You've been gone so much. And there's a lot of truth in that, a lot of truth in that. And all the things that Pastor John was saying about Rick Clinton, and as you, if you know Rick or knew Rick, um, the relationship with him would change your life. It changed mine. And what, what a blessing and asset. A true spiritual son. I learned so many things from him. And so we give honor and respect for him today. But these are my two daughters, Laura and Carrie, and my son-in-law Vince, who is attached to Laura. And uh, Carrie works for me, uh, uh, helping to run the office. She is the IT person. She is the one that, uh, she's the brains as far as making all this electronic stuff happen. So uh, I, I couldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And when uh, Pastor John invited me to come for today, I said, well, I need to talk to my family first because my girls get real touchy if I'm gone on Father's Day. I, and so I try, try my best to be home each year on Father's Day just so we can celebrate his family. But when they agreed to come with me, I said, man, that's a win-win. That's, that's fantastic. So I've asked them to come, and I have no idea what they're going to say. If they roast me too bad, I'm going to pull out those anniversary cards from last week and read them off to them again. You know, they were so sweet. Uh, but um, too many times we get total misconceptions about what it's like to be raised by a preacher, I, I remember Rick telling the story about Renee. Uh, she was about 16 years of age, and if you want to know the truth, that's a 16-year-old, you know. And somebody asked her one day, uh, what's it like living with Rick Clendenin? And she said, oh, it ain't that hot. And, uh, you know, people get these ideas that preachers' families are perfect, no, no, that's a misconception. Jesus said, angels do not marry. So there is no perfect marriage. That ought to take the pressure off. There are no perfect families. I, in fact, I believe God always puts at least one in every family because we've got to learn how to get along with each other. Eternity is a long time. And so we've we got to learn how to live with each other. But uh, the, these are my daughters, my son-in-law, and so I'm going to just uh, throw it open to them and let them begin to talk 
question, make comments, whatever they want to do. This is totally unscripted. But I want, and that's scary. You thought as a man of faith, I'm either a man of faith or I'm crazy. But uh, I want us to talk about some of the things, you know, that what, let, let's, let's start with the good, okay? Uh, what are some of the better things that I did as a dad? Because that's one of the things you have to do, you know. You got to practice on your own kids. They, when they give you the baby in the hospital and you go carrying, and man, I don't know about you guys, but uh, when they lay those little girls in my arms, I felt like I was holding a china doll and I'm going to break it. You know, I, I, what do I do with this? And so you have to practice on your own children. Let's, let's talk about some of those things. You want to start, Laura? You got the microphone. Um, some good things. Yeah, yeah. let's start there anyway. <laughs> well, my dad really was a great dad. He was gone a significant amount of time. That's why I was great. So, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, he always was just a lot of fun with family time and always made, um, pri- he definitely, he's the king of the dad jokes, but he would definitely prioritize um, family outings, making memories. Um, as a little kid, maybe I didn't think uh, we did a lot of vacations when I was very young, but as as um, we were able to and I got a little older, we started doing regular trips as a family and created some of the most amazing memories, and I really really have awesome memories of that, of growing up and um, him taking me to see the world. You know, I really appreciate that very much. We'll just keep trading. Um, That's basically what I was thinking about this morning as well was just, I was thinking about how many times we laughed. Um, Our household for you know, all of the pressures of the ministry and the stresses that we might have dealt with, we laugh a lot. And um, people always find it surprising when, you know, that's the first thing I think of when I think of my dad is laughing because they're like, but he seems so serious all the time. He's not. And um, we laughed so hard on our family vacations and we have so many stories, you know, that that's the things that I think of. Um, much faster than the difficult times, than the, you know, the problems that we faced and things like that. (laughs) The laughter is what came to me. And that was always something that was very important to dad was not only just making family memories, but making good memories. Um, And when he was with us, he would do his best to be present with us all the time. And, you know, that can be increasingly hard as cell phones go off and go off and go off and go off. Um, but it, it was just, that was something that became a priority for us. We would take our family vacations, we would do our family days, and we laughed a lot, because you can't take yourself too seriously. 
been married 21 years, something like that, 20 years? 23, wow, I'm getting old. Uh, I, I can, I won't tell you all the things, you know, the family secrets, but I remember when Vince came to me and asked if he could marry Laura, and uh, I've always been proud of Vince. He just was a fine young man and really devoted himself to Christ as a teenage, in his teenage years, and I, I respect any young man that does that because it can be challenging as a teenager at times, but they, uh, I had to learn a whole new set of skills because even our dogs and cats were girls, you know. I, and there's a big difference between the boy and the girl. So Vince came into the family, and uh, he had to learn, you know, the preacher side of the family, you know, some of the things. That, but uh, th this is Vince. He's now my pastor. Isn't that amazing? Boy, I tell you, what God does, somebody called him uh, Sneaky Jehovah, you know, Jehovah Sneaky, because he's always sneaking up on you. And, and to keep you learning, keep you growing, well, now he's the pastor and I am the member of the church. So, Vince, just, just comment. What was it like getting into a preacher family? Well, first of all, happy Father's Day to all you gentlemen. Yes. Um, give some background. So I came from what we would call a dysfunctional family. And I don't know if you've ever heard that. <laughs> don't know if you've ever been a part of that. And so having to learn not only coming into a preaching family, but also coming into a functional family. Uh, every, every family has their level of dysfunction. I get that. But in comparison, coming from a family that did not communicate, did not have what we would call uh, Christian values, and coming into a family that had those things uh, was, first of all, um, very appealing to me. And then coming into now as a preaching family, I, I probably would resemble a, a lot of mindsets that maybe you here come from, and that is, oh, they've got their act together, they, uh, they, they know all the right answers to Bible trivia. <laughs> yeah, you don't play a preacher on Bible trivia. It's terrible. Uh, and so, so for me personally, now, uh, the part of the story that Dale, I got married at 21 years of age. And so I literally now have been married longer than I was single. And um, coming in as a young guy, uh, there's obviously a lot of misconceptions or a lot of ideas, but I would have to say that what the biggest um, mentality that I have, have transitioned into is the fact of being real, uh, that there was no, every idea that I had as a, pa as a young man coming into a preacher family, into a functional family, I learned very quickly that what you see is what you get that there was no veil, uh, you know, curtain that you pulled and, oh, that's reality. No, this is what you see is what you get. So every misconceived idea that I had came from a history of ignorance. And so when you're coming to reality and you find out, oh, well, that's not reality at all. Uh, what reality is is this is life, and this is how you take biblical truth 
apply it to your life, and then do it. Because again, part of the dysfunction, if I could say this as, as a father and as a husband and of course as a pastor, if I could say this with all honesty, what creates dysfunction is when you see biblical truth, but then you don't apply it, but you pretend like you did. Mm, I just went to preaching right now. And so, so that's what creates, because what dysfunction is, is confusion. And when you're, when you're raised in a confusing environment of, well, wait a minute, I thought we believed this, but we're not acting that out. We're not living that out. It creates confusion. And so coming into the family, what I got to experience was, was truth, that, no, we're not perfect, but we believe the Bible says this, and so we're going to live this out to the best of our ability. And so I want to say to all the kids and to all the adults in here that, that really that's what we're trying to do as believers is to take God's word and apply it to our lives and then live that out. Will we do it perfect? No. But we're going to do it to the, to the realness of our ability, if that makes sense. I didn't say to the best of our ability. I said to the realness of our ability, which means when we don't live up to it, we're going to apologize. We're going to say I'm sorry. And so that's what I entered into when, when coming into covenant with this family. Great, great. Thank you. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the difficult things. Well, first of all, it's good. No. <laughs> uh, one of the things I have really struggled hard with is time. Because um, when you're trying to reach the world, how do you do that in one lifetime and not shortchange your family? And I, 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 I really feel that uh, in that area and with my wife, not knowing and understanding ministry tends to put be very stressful and then the what we call success the more successful you are as a minister the more pressure that puts on your family because everybody expects this to get it right you know and sometimes we're still trying to figure it out so let's let's talk about what are some of the challenges some of the challenges oh i get at first this time um, I think for me, um, I know mine and Laura's experiences were a little different just because of what kind of, you know, ministry you were doing at the time of when we were children, especially, um, I was born into a pastor's family where Laura, they were still evangelizing. So they were moving around a lot. Um, and then he became a full-time missionary when I was seven. So he was suddenly gone. And I think one of the biggest things uh, for me was trying to find the stable place in the family um, because you don't think about it being an upheaval, but it is very disorienting because my family would um, readjust. It would change weekly as to whether my dad was home or whether he was gone. And um, most of the time I was being raised by a single parent. Um, and then abruptly I would have two parents for a few days and then abruptly I was back to a single parent. So for me as a kid it was very confusing to remember how exactly the family functioned. So I felt like I was always adjusting one way or the other. That was very disorienting to me as a kid. Um, and I think the pressures that I felt um, as dad became uh, more 
um, recognizable among other ministers. Um, whether it was being, I felt like it was being put on me or whether I was putting the pressure on myself, um, you do feel the, the pressure, the need for um, perfection. <laughs> Um, I have to be the best preacher's daughter that I can be because people are expecting him to have a good family. So if, if I don't live up to those expectations, I'm hurting. Am I hurting his ministry? If um, Are people going to look poorly on him if I do something wrong? And that's a lot of pressure. And you finally realize that you, you can't do that to yourself. You have to, um, because most people aren't looking at you like that anyway. They're too busy worrying about, are they doing it right? Um and the best way, the best example you can be is to be the most honest example of yourself. Um, and that can be personality, that can be your Christian walk, be most honest with what you know you have struggled with, what you are dealing with. Um, because we tend to want to put on the mask and want to pretend for, for our own ego, yes, to be like, you know, yes, the preacher's family has it all together. We're, we're great. No, no problems here. But also for, um, I would always feel the need to protect him, too, by my own actions. And um, so that, that's a lot of pressure that I would put on myself. And it wasn't until I finally realized that I was hurting my own testimony by putting all that pressure on myself because I was completely unreal. Um, it was all a mask. And so when people did get to know me, they're like, okay, what we thought we saw and who you are are completely different. It was confusing. I was like, Vince was talking about the, the confusion of the appearance and the reality. So for me, it was very much a finding a place of who I am and who I am in the family and how I work in the ministry as, um, learning how to um, adjust to the changes that would happen? Well, some of the hard things were um, the time demands that were put on you. I was often very jealous of that. And, um, you know, when we would take family vacations, they were wonderful. But then Dad would say, Oh, I know a pastor in that town, and I, he's been—he's <laughs> been wanting me to come speak. So I'm going to schedule. So then, you know, we have to like readjust, you know, different gears out of vacation gear back to ministry gear in the middle of vacation, and that was kind of tough, you know, just growing up um, in the public eye, basically, um, because Carrie and I are nine years apart, so um, I'm older, and. So for, you know, the first eight years of my life, we traveled full time and I was on the road with them all the time. I really had a different growing up experience at first. And so then when dad began to pastor for the next eight years of my life, um, that was that was a big adjustment because the church was kind of all consuming. And I'll just be honest, my dad has always had a little trouble uh, managing his priorities when it comes to um, telling people no and, um, you know, allowing people to put demands on him. And so that is true. That is true. And so we, um, we had a lot of, a lot of struggles with that, just um, knowing how to, and I think that's just something that we all struggle with in any job, in any profession, you struggle with um, 
you know, being um, there for your family, there for your responsibilities, there for your job. And, and with a pastor, I think it's maybe a little more so. It's kind of like, you know, being in a doctor's profession or something where people really do count on you and need you to be there on call 24-7, 365. And, and so you have to really, you have to guard your family time. And <clears throat> my husband gets to experience the <laughs> the backlash of that because when we got married, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to put up with all that. You know, we're going to be in the ministry. My mom was really a lot nicer than I am, so I'm not putting up with all that. <laughs> and um, well, you know, I, I feel like I took a lot of those lessons that you know, and so I was able to help Vince put some of those boundaries in place in our life. You know, because. Now I'm living the same kind of life that I grew up in, and I'm raising two children in that lifestyle, and yet I want to um, learn from some of those lessons, some of those struggles that we had, and um, not carry all that in and put all those pressures on my kids that sometimes I felt those pressures, and not necessarily that you put them on me, but um, other people do. Ministry automatically just kind of puts that on you. I think it just comes with the territory. So there were a lot of a lot of things that um, I had to kind of work through um, as a junior high, high schooler in that age. Because um, there were times where I'm like, I hate the ministry. I'm never marrying anyone in the ministry. I will. <laughs> yes, I, I did. I said all those things. And um you know, to come full circle, to know that really I love the ministry and I've been blessed with a wonderful heritage. It's just um, you have to learn from your mistakes and you have to grow from that. So, very true. Vince, you want to chime in? Nothing. Okay, that's why they turned your mic off. That's why I had to slam it on the table for you to have a snack. Not that bad. I've never experienced anything negative. I, I just wanted you to hear our heart, and um, I think the thing that, that Vince said earlier about just being real, be real. There's only one God, and his name is not Dale, and he, you know, I, I, I'm just a poor imitation a lot of times, and, and it's, a lot of it is my fault because I create stress. Um, if there's nothing stressful going on, well, let's get something going here. Let's do something, you know. And I was so bad when I was young. I said, let's do something, even if it's wrong, you know. I mean, and that, that was the way I was wired. But hopefully I have learned over the years, you know, that that's not the best way to do it. And a lot of times you create problems and pain that then you have to spend time going back and trying to fix what you messed up what you broke so this is my family I love them dearly and uh, it's because they're here that I'm with you today and uh, we're celebrating Father's Day again and uh, I'm just so happy that we can share that time with you would you give them a good hand please thank you thank you so much Thank you so much. 
I want to share an abbreviated message because I felt it would be very helpful in beginning if we would um, talk about, you know, give you an, a live example of family. But I want to share a message with you on what I'm going to call the Father's voice, the Father's voice. And there's a verse of scripture found in the book of Genesis. Genesis, the 35th chapter, and verse 18. If you want to turn to that, let me say it is so good to see on one of my spiritual sons, Bob, and his wife here with us today. God has been so good to me to not only give me a natural family, but to give me a spiritual family. And um, I consider... Uh, your pastor, one of my spiritual sons or grandson, I guess we technically would say, because Rick has done such a good job of mentoring and training him in ministry. Um, I was beginning, get, I get all kinds of uh, Father's Day uh, greetings and such from around the world. So I've been spending a lot of my time this morning just saying thank you, thank you, God bless you, son, God bless you. But it's, it's wonderful. That's the way God created it. And I think, this is my opinion, but I believe some of the biggest problems that we have in our culture in the United States is because we've got such a bad father image. We don't really even know what a daddy's supposed to look like, and uh, let alone act like. One, one, one characteristic, for instance, you think about all of the mass shootings that have happened in the United States, and you just start naming them off, you know, in Colorado and, and Texas, and you just start naming off all these mass shootings. There's one common denominator with every one of those shootings. And that common denominator, it doesn't matter what their age was, some of them are almost in uh, primary age, some of them are, you know, out of school altogether, but none of them had a good relationship with the father, not one. And that, that tells me the, the crisis that we're facing. So I, I, I just want to share a few thoughts with you on the father's voice. And I'm going to take my text from Genesis 35, 18, if you want to read with me. And so it was as her soul was departing, what's happening is Rachel is dying in childbirth. And before modern medicine, so many women died giving birth. That's what's happening in this story in Genesis. It said she died. That she called his name Benoi, which literally means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Now, I, I pull that one verse out to illustrate what I want to say here about the father's voice. Because there, I'm convinced too many people, both men and women, that they've been misnamed by somebody. They've actually been cursed by those that should have blessed them. And Rachel 
it's out of her pain she's speaking. We've all done it, right? We've all spoke out of our pain. And, and, and she, she's extreme pain because she dies from this experience. And so she cries out, his name is Benoui, son of my sorrow, because I died giving birth to him. So instead of speaking their destiny, we end up speaking their defeat. Now, this is a tragedy. It's a tragedy that people align themselves with those that cannot speak their destiny. They're trying to be somebody else. They're trying to be something God never called them to be. Now, that's one of the reasons that I've had some of the the success in ministry is because I got started young. I got on the right track. I got the right direction, pointed in the right way. And so I started preaching when I was 11 years of age. And I've had a lot of practice over 60-some years now of, of sharing the Word of God because I got started young. Too many people are middle-aged still going the wrong direction. When he says, train up a child in the way he should go, that word literally means you got to study that child, find out which way they're supposed to go, and point them in that direction, motivate them to go there. But for many people, they are a Benoe when they should be a Benjamin. Now, three things I want to say about father's voice. Number one, father's Speak with authority. Because I have two daughters, and these beautiful, beautiful young ladies. Back at the time they were born, just, just beautiful little girls. But as they grew up, you know, they began to attract male attention, which is a very natural thing. Uh, but I used to, it was one of the things I enjoyed doing. The telephone started ringing. Remember before, before cell phones? Oh yeah, we, we had those in the phone and uh, in the home, and and the telephone would ring, and I, I would uh, pick up the phone, drop my voice, hello. <laughs> there was just this pause, and then click click. <sighs> that happened. I don't know how many times. I I used to think that was great fun, you know. Father, speak with. Authority. There's just something about it. I, I, it's the way God made us, you know, the deep voice. Why is it we always think God speaks with a deep voice? You think God can't sing tenor? I mean, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? We always think of daddy saying bass. But nobody speaks like a father speaks. And there's just something... Uh, I, you know, these little guys that they're looking up, all these giants that are down there knee high, and they're looking up, and you, 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 you can see it. I mean, there's, there's mischief in their eyes. They've got more energy, and they won't. And Daddy walks into the room. Hello, boys. And, boy, I mean, immediately, that little tyrant just becomes so s submitted and so nice. Nobody speaks like a father speaks. Here's what so many people fail to understand. True authority comes from God. Now, a lot of men misunderstand this because they think might is right. I'm the biggest, so therefore 
It's my way. No, 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 no. You're representing God. True authority comes from God. And you have to understand that. Otherwise, if you don't, what Pastor Vince was saying earlier about, you know, dysfunctional. Uh, I think all families are dysfunctional to one degree or another. There, no, there isn't any perfect family. But because there is an abuse of authority, that does not give us the right to become a rebel. I see that didn't go across very well. Maybe the mic cut out. I need to repeat it. I see a lot of this today that because I was mistreated, because somebody did me wrong, gives me the right to do somebody else wrong. No, no, it does not. The, the abuse of authority doesn't give us the right to become rebels. And I, I believe this is some of the biggest problems that we are facing in our culture in the United States today comes from a misunderstanding of authority. God help us to realize as dads, we're representing God. We've been delegated by God to represent him. And one of the best things you can do for your family is just be their rock. Just, I, I know, sometimes we don't know what to do. Don't tell them that. Tell them you'll pray about it. You, you hear me? Uh, there, there are times that our knees are knocking. The best thing to do when your knees knock is kneel on them. Amen. Go to God. And it's amazing how many times God will give you a thought or an idea, something that you need to do. So if you recognize that you're representing him, then True authority comes from God. One other, one other thing I want to say concerning authority, I think it's one of the biggest questions that every person has got to answer in their life. Who am I going to obey? Because the truth is, every one of us are listening to somebody. Everybody does. And if we're not careful, we end up listening to somebody that's speaking out of their hurt, their pain. They're speaking from their own dysfunctional experience rather than knowing what they're talking about. So you've got to answer that question. God give us fathers and uh, thank God for all the great fathers that we have. If you don't have one, find one. You don't have to go through life as an orphan. Amen. None of us have to do that. Now, here's the second thing. Fathers not only speak with authority, but fathers speak with knowledge, with knowledge. See, the truth of it is, we're all born with like this blank, empty computer. And uh, we, we don't know much. We know a few things, but not very much. And so God brings these people into our life. Fathers and mothers that have a natural affection toward us. And they begin to fill our little computer, our mind, with all kinds of information. God gave us parents to do that for us. They, they help us to learn how to provide for ourselves. So they take care of us. They shelter us, they feed us, they clothe us, they do all those things that we cannot do for ourselves. And 
We all are indebted to them. We owe them a debt of love. Love is one debt you will never repay. That's why the Bible said, owe no man anything except love. Because you'll never be able to pay that. So we owe them a debt of love because they've helped us get where we are. We didn't get here by ourselves. Somebody helped us to do that. Parents will sacrifice to educate their children. Uh, I know it's one of the things Evelyn and I, we made that decision many years ago. We would drive, we wouldn't drive a new car. I would drive a used one that I'd pay less for because we wanted to invest in our daughter's education. And so that is very important to them because they recognize that the children are the future for the family. And you want to invest in them to help them to learn. See, the truth is, everything that we know, everything, we learned it through other people. Amen? And that's why Pastor John, when he began speaking about Rick Clendon and he got all choked up, is because Rick invested in us, poured into us, taught us so many things that there's no way we would be who we are today without people like Rick Clendon. And, well, th this is true for all of us. Everything that we know in life, we didn't come up with that ourselves. We've learned through all those that are around us. So they speak with knowledge. Education and training, it helps to equip us for our fulfillment as adults. Now, as I mentioned, I discovered when I was just a boy because not only my family, but also my spiritual family, the, not just the natural, but the spiritual family, the church. That's why everybody needs a local church. It's a spiritual family. It's a covenant relationship. And it was there in church where God gave this sister a utterance in tongues that the pastor then interpreted. And I'm sure when they're saying these words, it don't, you know, it's kind of crazy. I'm an 11 year old kid. I was very small for my age, skinny little boy. And they're saying, my hand is upon this boy. I've called him to be a preacher from his mother's womb. He will preach the gospel around the world. I mean, you're talking to a kid. In 1958, they didn't even have jet airplane travel as yet. I mean, it seemed like just crazy words, but it wasn't crazy. It was God that was using them, pointing me in the right direction where I was to go. And so I knew that no matter what happened in life, I'm born to preach. I'm going to preach. And, and it became a defining moment in my life. That's what education, equipping does for us. It helps us to learn the things, the skills, the tools, the things that we're going to need to build our lives. And then finally, the third thing I want to say about Father's voice. Fathers speak with wisdom. Or that's what God's goal is. Oh, thank God for the wisdom that Jacob had in this story. That when he heard his wife dying in childbirth, and you can imagine the sorrow, the pain that 
Jacob is going through. This is the woman, the Bible said, he loved her. He loves this woman. She's dying, so he has pain. But in wisdom, he rose up and said, no, 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 no. Not son of my sorrow. Son of my right hand. And he corrected. That was wisdom. And that's what fathers have to do, not only in their children's life, but their spiritual family as well. Because not everybody knows what they're talking about. One of the biggest things I've learned in this pandemic is the experts are guessing. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's quite obvious, isn't it? Because they keep changing the rules. Why are they changing the rules? It's because it's not working the way we thought it was going to work. You know, our model's not working, so they changed the model, which changes the rules, which shows they were guessing in the first place. That, that's the way people are. We need spiritual fathers in our lives that can speak with wisdom. What is wisdom? To boil it down to make it as simple as I can, wisdom is the ability to properly use knowledge. See, knowledge is power. Knowledge by itself is dangerous. You can take, you know, the, 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 the same kind of power and energy that you use to generate electricity and blow this building up. It's like, like for instance, it's like fire. Fire is such a powerful force. It keeps us warm in winter. It cooks our food. Or it can burn the house down. This is where so much of what's being taught today about sexuality, it, it, sex is the most powerful natural force known to humanity. But it can not only be a blessing... It can destroy your life. Knowledge is power. But without wisdom, we abuse the knowledge. We use it in the wrong way. So wisdom teaches us the best way to use the knowledge for everybody's benefit. See, when you boil sin down to the basic elements, sin is selfishness. And sin makes fools of all of us. When you start doing things that you shouldn't be doing, and there's people that think, well, the preacher, he just, you know, it's like they say of Calvin Coolidge, that he was a man of few words. And, and so they ask him, where have you been? Been church. He'd usually speak his sentences were about two words long, you know. And they said, well, what, what did he preach about? And he said, about sin. And well, what did he say about sin? He was against it. And that, that you know, that, that, that's the way most people think of church is that, that it's the preacher don't like this, he don't like that. No, 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 no. If the preacher is wise, he wants your life to be the best. He wants you he doesn't want to just see you get happily married. He wants you to be happily married 50 years from now. See, he's thinking of your fulfillment, your destiny. He doesn't want you to be a son of sorrow. He wants you to become the son of right hand. Sin 
destroys us. But fathers have a wisdom that comes from years of experience. That's why I can speak about some things is because I've been there, I've done that, you don't want to do that. Uh, where do you get wisdom? A lot of it is, Dr. Dr. J.T. Perry says, I got it from all these scars. All the painful things that you go through in life. But that is not the best place to get wisdom. You, see, you, you, you can learn to make good decisions by making bad decisions. But the problem with that is you're going to run out of time. Because you don't have time to make all the bad decisions. So the best place to learn wisdom is from somebody else's experience. What they've been through, what they have learned from that. Not just the knowledge, but how to properly use it. Learning from someone else's experience is the best way to get wisdom. And so that's why the Bible says that the silver hair, the white head, if it's found in the way of righteousness, it's a crown of glory. It, it's, you, you don't want to color it. Life has already done a good job with that. You, it, 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 the Bible talks about the almond tree blossoming and what it's saying, it had big white blooms on it. And so it just this tree is just covered with white blooms. And that's what that you, you can see. You know, my almond tree is blossoming. I, I have a lot of white hair. That comes from the experience. And out of the experience, there should be wisdom. As I mentioned, we don't have enough time to make all the possible mistakes. So what we need to do, every one of us, and this is why I determined a long time ago, I'm not going to be an orphan. You don't have to be one with God. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit. And I, I determined not only is that true spiritually, but it's also true in my relationships with others. And that's why Dr. Charles Green, he's now 93 years old. His mind's still so sharp. I'm reading his story that he just completed. And, oh, I'm so glad he's telling his story. So many wonderful things that God did in his life. And, and I, I will tell him, Dr. Green, when I grow up, I want to be like you. I mean that. Because, oh, God help me. I've got a long way to go before 93. 93. But if I get to 93, that's what I want to be. Determine what you want to be before you start becoming what you determine. That's wisdom. And so we've got to learn to recognize our Father's voice. Stop listening to all the crowd. Stop listening to those that are just crying out of their pain. Start listening to wisdom. That's why it speaks about God as the only wise God. I love that. Because all the others, the idols of the world, everything else becomes foolishness. Sin destroys us. The only 
wise God. And so I don't know where you are, your relationship with God. If you cannot call God your father, you don't have to leave here a stranger. You don't have to leave here an orphan. If you do not have a relationship with spiritual fathers in your life, this is your opportunity. Today's your opportunity. And so I want to close with a word of prayer, and then I'm invite Pastor John to come and lead us into the altar time. I pray that I've been able to share something that makes sense with you today. I want you to know I love you. And one of the greatest proofs to me that God is real is because he changed me and put love in my heart for you. Without him, I would be just as selfish as anybody else. But he's what's made the difference. What he's done for me, he'll do for every one of you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these gracious people, for them taking time to be with us today. I pray that we've been able to share and show, illustrate something to them that shows the reality of our life with God. Help us, oh God, not to listen to the wrong voices because there's all kinds of voices and there's voices that will speak our defeat instead of our destiny. Help us to hear the right voices to follow you. Not only a relationship with our Father God, but also a relationship in the family of God with the church. I believe you to do it. I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name.